Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 171st episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Moms, I sure hope you are taking good care of yourself this summer and giving yourself some much-deserved downtime. A great question to ask yourself today and every day this summer is, how can I be kind to myself? Maybe it's slowing down your pace a little bit. Maybe it's sleeping in or going to bed a little earlier or letting yourself relax by the pool. Make being kind to yourself a daily practice this summer. Also, I wanted to let you know that I love it when you email me and let me know how these podcasts are speaking to you. If you have a question or a topic you would like me to address, just email me and I will answer your questions. And this week I received such an encouraging email. And here's what it said. You were the answer of my prayers. I just finished listening to your book, Dial Up the Dream on Audible from Amazon. I listened to some chapters over and over again. You have no idea how much I appreciate all the things I've learned from you and your experiences and all the moms you talked about when I was going through hard times with my daughter. It brought me so much relief to know that I am not alone in this. And this is why I wrote Dial Up the Dream. I wanted to encourage you, moms, through real experiences of other moms and my own experiences, and to talk about what it's like to walk your teen daughter into her late teens and into her 20s. I wanted you to know what it's really like, know what to expect, and know that you are not alone. If you don't have a copy of Dial Up the Dream, 
make your daughter's journey to adulthood the best for both of you, you can order it from Amazon or you can listen to it on Audible. In this episode, I invited Sue Ludwig back to talk with me about how moms can dial up their dreams while in the thick of parenting and what stops so many moms from pursuing their own interest and what happens to a mom's spirit when she neglects her own growth. If on one hand, you pour everything into your teens and on the other hand, you ignore yourself and the stirrings of your own heart, it just won't go well. Sue is no stranger to this podcast. If you haven't listened to episode 153, Getting Off the Hamster Wheel, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Sue has such great bits of wisdom she shares from her book, Tiny Humans, Big Lessons, How the NICU Taught Me to Live with Energy, Intention, and Purpose. Sue is a dear friend and a sought-after speaker, consultant, writer, and educator a licensed occupational therapist and certified neonatal therapist. She is president and founder of the National Association of Neonatal Therapists, where she uses a unique blend of clinical expertise, innovation, and leadership to support the advancement of the specialized field on a global level. Welcome, Sue. Hi, Colleen. It's so good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So the reason I invited you on this episode is that you and I were in the same coaching program for eight years, and we watched each other expand and grow our business while we were in the thick of parenting. At that time, we were trying to grow our businesses and be mothers simultaneously, and I know a lot of moms listening are in the same boat. So when I was writing Dial Up the Dream, I thought about how we expect our daughters to continually dial up their dreams. And yet for moms, it can sometimes feel like that's not an option for us anymore. And what I have noticed is that if you're a working mom outside of the home, it's accepted that you have a quote job and do the same job over and over again, even if you are bored with it and you don't like it. And I know many moms listening quit careers that they did love and sometimes regret that they did. Moms can feel selfish about dialing up their own dream. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, of course I do. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I remember that feeling well. I don't know if it ever entirely goes away, but I remember feeling, I think as moms, we get all consumed with the work of mothering, you know, and it's so busy, especially, you know, in those middle years and all of that. And I remember very much just feeling like I kind of lost myself in that period of time. Yeah. Can you tell the moms again, the ages of your kids? The ages of my kids now are, they are 23 and 25. All right. So going back to the theme of that we expect our teens to dial up their dreams, then as adults, we don't expect that we're supposed to do that. But we can take a cue from our teens. We expect them to take risks, try new things, and put themselves out there, even when it's hard. And we've witnessed them do that over and over again. So I'm going to ask you, Sue, because you have a daughter, and she's 23, So how did you see your daughter continue to put herself out there and where did she take risks and where was she brave? In that set of years, I think it was 
fun to watch because she was, when she was in high school, she was an athlete and into all things school as well. But I remember her tearing her ACL her junior year in soccer and watching her kind of go through that rehab and, and not just the physical rehab, but the retraining of her mind to trust this knee that was now a little, maybe less trustworthy and kind of come back and make a decision to play her senior year. And I think we were watching through <laughs> blindfolds, me and my husband worried about if she was going to re-injure herself. But I remember her stepping out at that period of time and really showing up for herself and her team. And then into college, I saw her show up in ways that really surprised me and that even when she didn't feel like some things were, or she was trying to find kind of her way and then watching her go make her own way. Like she left school and joined the National Guard for oh, seven months and went away and came back and started school again and went into ROTC and all these things that were kind of an unexpected path for her. And it was like, wow, look at you carving a path. I didn't <laughs> even think about. So <laughs> it was really neat to watch her just kind of manifest some of these things for herself. Yeah. And she wasn't doing what you told her to do. Right. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, <laughs> stay safe in your dorm and do regular things. And, <laughs> and, you know, and none of these things felt like they were in my comfort zone for sure. And I knew they were out of her comfort zone and, you know, leaving home when she was 18 and going far away and not knowing a soul and all of these things. Yeah. That none of that was on the list. <laughs> so I was rewriting that script in my head pretty often. Yeah. I think one of the privileges that moms have is that we can witness our daughters doing this, that they dial up their dreams and they take these chances and risk. And we actually expect them to do it. Sometimes we expect them to do kind of our agenda and they find their own path. But I think that's just an expectation for them. I know it was kind of the same for my daughter. She did something completely different than what I thought she would do. But I think one of the first times I saw her take a big risk is when she was applying to go to high school. And she decided that she wanted to go to the high school for performing and visual arts and get in for dance. And it was extremely competitive. And my daughter hadn't been dancing for that long. So it was a big leap for her to do that. And she did apply and she got in which took a lot of courage. And she was with the best of the best. And then it's interesting, you know, you brought up your daughter's injury. So my daughter had her injuries kind of the spring semester of her junior year. She had two knee injuries and a shoulder injury. Mm. So she had to pull out of dance and actually go into a new high school in senior year. And then my daughter wanted to get a certification in massage and really help athletes who were injured because that's what she experienced. So she did that and she was almost through with that. And there was an accident in terms of someone giving her a massage not in a not a good way. And her arm froze up and she went to the emergency room. And then a first year resident kept yanking her arm back and forth. And then my daughter had to have major, major surgery. And they cut off half of her pectoral muscle to hold down her scapula. So this was like a month before Dial Down the Drama's manuscript was due. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. 
So that took my daughter nine months to recover. Like she couldn't use her arm for nine months. Wow. And yet I saw her reinvent herself with one arm during that time. And I saw her really motivated to heal. And then she went back and went to a different program and got her certification in massage and went on to get an advanced certification in neuromuscular therapy. And then she decided that she was going to move across the country and move to L.A. And I said, well, you can do that if you find a job. And she did. (laughs) She built a business. You know, all these things that took a lot of lot of courage and bravery and resiliency to come back. I mean, I don't think I have the courage to by myself move across country, you know, at that age. I would not have. I mean, I moved two hours away at that age and I was like, woo, you know, (laughs) making a big leap, you know, and now, as you know, my daughter's learning to fly helicopters for the army. And I think, what the heck? I mean, I just would not have been able to do something like that at her age or ever, by the way, but that continuous sort of wanting to pursue something outside of her comfort zone. I used to just fret over the like, what if, what if, what if? And the anxiety of it. And I just realized how much then I can't be present to her. She's so excited about it and loves it. And I can either get on board with that and have fun with that with her or just worry about it. So I've been trying to do a lot more of the former. Yes. And I think the comfort zone is a place that moms of teens like to stay. I mean, we're not comfortable because our teens make us uncomfortable. I think as we get older, we like that comfort zone more and more. I don't think that's necessarily our friend sometimes. I agree. It's, I like you say in your book, I like to be comfortable too. (laughs) I like the comfy places. (laughs) That is not a period of time in their lives that we get to stay comfortable. I don't think it's, um, it, it goes well with being, having teenagers and, and young adults, you know, into adulthood. We're continuously being asked to step outside of that about them. And I think about ourselves as well. It shows us a lot about ourselves in that period of time, I think. All right. So Sue, can you tell everyone what you do today? Yes. So I am the president of a national professional organization called the National Association of Neonatal Therapists. So that is my full-time job. It's an organization I founded uh, 13 years ago for therapists who work with premature and sick babies in the NICU. And so running that is my full-time job. And then I also like you, I'm a new author as well. So those are my two main roles in my life right now, professionally speaking. Yes. So now we're going to go back 13 years ago. So that, I guess that's 2008. Yes. Something like that. that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that is when you and I started Christine's coaching program, or we called it a mastermind. Can you put yourself back in that person's body? (laughs) So why did you even sign up for that coaching program? Because your kids were how old at that time again? I think they were about nine and 11. Okay. Somewhere around there. And it's a great question why I signed up for it. I don't think I entirely knew the answer to that. Yeah. What, What I did know was that I was sort of at the end of myself. I was exhausted. I was... Oh, you know, working hard. I was at the time working in the hospital as a neonatal occupational therapist. And I loved my job, but I was working there and I was consulting 
and to other NICUs in the country. And then, you know, the kids and the family and the dogs and all the things. And it seemed like the last thing anyone should do because I was already felt too overscheduled and busy to then join this mastermind group. But I think I needed something to feed me, like to refuel me and try to remember who the heck I was in the middle of all the swirl of being a mom and running around, you know, being a professional. And there was something about that program and how it was described that made me feel like it just drew me in as something like maybe I can find here what something about what I'm looking for, what I want to do with my time or how to become more completely myself, something I kind of felt like I'd lost along the way. Yeah, I think where I was, I'd been a therapist probably for, I think, maybe 12, 14 years. I mean, I enjoyed that, but it was like I felt kind of stuck in a rut and had been doing the same thing over and over again. And I just felt like there has to be something more. I think I was definitely drawn to the place that we would get out of town four times a year and be <laughs> together with, you know, adults. That was attractive to me. I think a lot of moms of teens really are kind of in that same place. It's not like, oh, I need to join a coaching program because I want to be a CEO of this entrepreneur company. Like we don't know exactly what it is most of the time. So I think most moms of teens have that sense of, I kind of want something for me. And you don't really have a clue, except that you're kind of bored. When we're parents of these teens, we're thinking about like, how can they learn and grow? You know, take this acting class, take singing lessons, try this sport. And so I think there's something part of us like, okay, y'all are doing all this stuff. And I think then I think a lot of moms get depressed because they're in a job maybe they're bored with, or they're at home and they wish they were doing more, but then they just have no idea. It's so fuzzy. They have no idea what they want. But I think what was true for both you and I was that we didn't have it all figured out, right? Correct. <laughs> I don't think we had a lot of things figured out. I picture if I think about how I felt then, like you're so heads down when your kid's are growing up and, you know, you're just thinking about them and what's going on for them and them and them and them. And you're just kind of keeping everything turning. And then I feel like when they're that period in our life, what we're talking about now and where they were, is it's like, you can start to see that the road that you've been like having your head down on for so long, there's like, you start to look up like, oh, this is going to not end, but there's going to be a clearing up there. <laughs> Yes. You know, and they're where they're going to go off and do these things. And then what's on that road for me? Yes. I think when we started that mastermind, it, I felt like I was just starting to realize like, oh, I was restless and bored, not because I wasn't busy, but because the things I was doing weren't necessarily fulfilling me in the way that I hoped that they were. Mm -hmm. And I started to see that road like, oh, what's up ahead? And oh, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? You know? Yes. I think sometimes it just starts with this feeling of, it's a feeling sometimes. It's an inkling. It's uh oh, my kids are actually going to be leaving in three or four years. And what am I going to do? It It's just a little bit wanting more. And I think there could be a lot of panic for moms because you don't have it figured out. But I think what you know, you and I are saying is it's okay just to be really nebulous about it. Yeah. I think it can be very vague. 
like you see little breadcrumbs of something you're interested in, or you feel like you, you don't have to know, you don't have to have it all figured out. I think it's just important to know you can do something else. And it doesn't have to be like some giant thing. There are other things uh, waiting for you. Yeah. One of the things you and I have talked about is following the breadcrumbs. Can you talk more about that? Because I think that's really helpful. Yeah, at least that's how my brain always pictured these little moments kind of of clarity where I'd see like, oh, well, I'm interested in that. So let me just see that as like a little breadcrumb along the path versus trying to have it all figured out. I sure didn't know I was going to start a national organization at all, like not even any percent. But I knew that I cared a lot about the patients I was seeing, for example, like I kept pursuing more education about them and about, you know, that specialty. So there were these little like breadcrumbs of like interest, mm-hmm. like where did I feel value and where was my curiosity going, whether it's work or outside of work or anything, just these little things. And I just started to notice them. And that was really the first thing I did before putting any of them together or anything like that. I just was like noticing where my curiosity and interests were taking me. Yeah. I think Christine, our coach, was really helpful to me back then. She was helping mine my experience. So she said, as a therapist, like, who are your favorite clients? And I started thinking about it and I named, you know, three or four. And they all happened to be moms of teens. And so these moms who were feeling like there's something more, they're bored, they wanted to be in better shape, and they just want to do yoga, but they're just not doing yoga, all that kind of stuff. And they're just not satisfied feeling like there's something more for them. And I realized, of course, my favorite clients were also me, you know, (laughs) that was a big, yeah, that was a big surprise. But yeah, so just... That was just a breadcrumb. And then from when I got clear about who my favorite clients are, then I could start to address that. I could send articles to them and I can create a program for them. And I remember when Christine said, you know what the next step is? And I said, I have no idea. Again, I have no idea. And she goes, I think you need to write a book. It was the last thing I'd ever imagined for me is to write a book. You were there. I was going to say, I remember your exact facial expression of of something like combined of like shock and complete blankness and yeah, just like what? Yes. A a little terror. Yes. Yeah. So what? Yeah, it's fun. You were there. Now I didn't write a book because my coach thought I should write a book. I wrote a book because I couldn't quite see it, but then I saw, well, you know, that's right. And so these things that you and I ended up doing over the years was like so out of our comfort zone. Yes, 100%. (laughs) In chapter 11 of Dial Up the Dream, which the chapter is called Dial Up the Dream, there are two questions that I throw out, which are, what do I truly want and where do I want to give back? Now, I really think for every mom listening, just asking yourself that question What do I truly want? It's a huge gift to you, but it feels so foreign because that's the last question we ask ourselves. We know what everybody else in our family wants, but we don't know what we truly want. So, you know, I think a good place to start often is something as simple as what do I truly want in my health? You know? Yes. So that could be, you know, I truly want 
you know, to be hydrated. So I'm going to drink more water. So it doesn't have to be super complicated. But I think just like in that previous chapter, I wrote about reconnecting to yourself and reconnecting to your preferences. You want to start exercising that muscle of what do I truly want in all aspects of your life. I've heard so many moms say, I have no idea what I want. But when I say, what do you not want? Then they get really clear. So I know in your new best-selling book, Tiny Humans, Big Lessons, How the NICU Taught Me to Live with Energy, Intention, and Purpose, you talk about the hamster wheel. And I think that was something that you did not want in your life. Yes, that is true. So yeah, I felt like that period of my life, I was just running on a hamster wheel, which to me felt like running really, really fast toward a goal that I really didn't know what it was, you know, towards something that was unknown that I hadn't really decided. It just felt like an endless, endless piece of exhaustion, you know, and I didn't want my life to feel like it was being determined by somebody else all the time. And it required me to be so involved in so many things that I just felt blurry. Like I felt like my life was a blur because all of my moments felt blurry. I wasn't really in them anymore. I wasn't present anymore. I was just waking up in the morning, running through the day, doing all the things for all the people, and then going to bed at night and hitting replay on my life. So that's all the more inspiring my life felt. And not that I didn't love my family or love my job, but it wasn't anything like that. I just had lost something for myself. And I knew I didn't want that feeling. And the only thing I knew at that time, so if you're feeling this way, is just, I just knew I didn't want to feel like that. And that I wanted my life to feel more like some of the times there were these great moments where, you know, I might be watching kids game or having a conversation with them that was really meaningful or something where I did feel really present. And all I really knew is I wanted my life to feel more like those moments. You know, that's about all I could come up with was I didn't want it to feel like a hamster wheel. And I wanted to feel really clear and present like I did in some of the moments that I could scrounge up at the time. (laughs) Yes. But I didn't know how to get anywhere from there, honestly. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of moms maybe are scared to even say, what do I want? Because they feel like they're already on a hamster wheel. And it feels like that's just a whole nother thing that I don't have time for. And yet I see that different, even though it could be like more time. I see that different than the hamster wheel. Like you said, one of my metaphors is a mother machine. (laughs) You're just going and going and going and going and going, but it's like you are missing. I think the paradox is for me is that doing this coaching program and coming back, we ended up doing that eight years, right? Yes. Yes. Eight. (laughs) It's a long time, but uh, we enjoyed it clearly. (laughs) Yeah, we did. And I mean, it didn't hurt that we were flying to Asheville four times a year and hiking at the Biltmore. That didn't hurt. It did not. And eating at great restaurants, you know, girl trip. Yes. But also what I found is that the more that I was getting myself out of the comfort zone and trying new things like writing, I didn't, had never written before. I wasn't like an English major, speaking, you know, starting a podcast. None of this was something I'd ever done. But what I found is that a part of me came alive and, you know, it was hard. It was scary. But then I like, if we compare it to what our daughters did, it would probably look like nothing, you know, like, (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh, I'm speaking. (laughs) 
your daughter's flying huge helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is a payoff of that putting yourself out there a little bit, learning something new and that sense of feeling alive. And then of course, we didn't do that in isolation. We did that with a group of us. So we had the support of each other that helped a ton. Yeah. And I think that you're exactly right. That stepping out of the comfort zone did make me feel like suddenly like just, oh my gosh, I was so excited to have something else to think about, something else to talk about, something else to do. I am naturally more, you know, like probably a lot of you, very perfectionistic. And I was afraid to do a lot of new things. But then when I would do them, I was elated. You know, it was just something so different. And I learned to fail and realize the world was still spinning. So all of those things were just exhilarating and I hadn't felt exhilarated <laughs> in a long time, I guess. You know, it was just like, oh my gosh, there's this whole new world that's right there and I don't have to give up my old world, you know, or something. I just get to weave this new stuff in. It just gave me so much more energy. So it, it didn't end up feeling like extra things. It was just something really exciting. Every little piece of it felt exciting. Right. So when a mom is bored or resentful, there's an energy about a mom who's bored and resentful. And if there's a mom who, and you were using words like exhilarated and exciting, there's a whole different energy about that mom. So when we have this energy that we're proud of ourselves and we're excited and we're exhilarated like your kids kind of like to hang out with you. If you're in that, I hate my job, I hate my life, and y'all are driving me crazy teenagers, <laughs> you know, they will tend to avoid you. So what did your daughter think about all the ways you've dialed up your dream? Did that change how she thought of you for better or for worse? It's so fun to think back because of how she was so young when we started doing this stuff. And one of the first things I remember to your point about what how the different energy is, I think right away, like when she was only about 10, you know, she then wanted to just from sitting there watching me, you know, figure this organizational stuff out at the kitchen table, she wanted to start her own little organization. So when she was 10, I think she started a little thing locally where she would get donations and donate food to local dog shelters. But the funny thing about it, the extra funny thing is that because of what I was doing, she wanted a logo for her website, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, a logo, that, that's some real stuff. So I was like, well, I'm not going to pay to have a logo created for your website. But if you want to save your money, you can have a logo created. So at 10, she was like saving her little money and literally had a logo designed for her website and was so excited about that whole process and everything. So just the contagious aspect of that excitement was kind of already happening. Uh, and I don't even know if I even recognized that that was part of that at the time, honestly, which sounds weird now, but, and then, you know, as far as how it's changed, it's over the years, it's, it's been really good because when she's a teenager in high school and, you know, there's different periods where our kids care more or less about anything that we're doing. <laughs> yes. Um, but over time, I think the great thing is she's would say this, if she was sitting here is that she's just really like proud of me and we get to connect on other levels now that she's out both when she was in college and then now about real life things that then we're both trying and we have this thing in common now that 
we both like to do things outside of our comfort zone and the anxiety of that can feel like, and what, how do you cope with that? And what are your mindset things? And there, it's just kind of opened up this whole different part of our relationship where we get to share about what it feels like to try to go do things that are scary. I'm just not sure that we would have ever had that exact aspect of our relationship had I not been doing that while as part of my life. Yeah, it's that's been, great. It's been a gift really. Yeah. 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 I can think of two or three little stories. One is my daughter was a senior and she was never home, which is like every other senior. And I was really sad because she's my only daughter. So I was remember sitting in my room and sad that she wasn't home. And then there was a knock on my front door. I thought that's weird. So I answered it and it was my daughter and she goes, mom, get in the car. And I said, (laughs) okay. So she had this convertible bug. And so she was cranking her music. We drove through downtown Houston. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? And then she starts saying, you know, mom, you know how you're doing your dream. And like, you want to help a lot of people. I want to help a lot of people too. And you know how you speak? Well, I want to learn how to speak so I can help a lot of people. So mom, I was thinking like, who could I ask about that? But then I thought like, you're the best person to ask. Mm, Love that. Yeah. (laughs) And I was going to national conference for speaking. So she went and she participated in the high school version of it and learned how to speak. So she went with me. So that's one story. I was shocked by that because my daughter would act like she didn't care about anything I did. And so this just came out of the blue. Mm. And another story is that Christine would have conferences so we could bring somebody to the conference. And so I brought Erin to the conference and I think she was maybe 16. And so Christine is talking about building your business, coaching packages, pricing, all of this. And my daughter, I'm thinking, she is going to be so bored. That stuck in her head. And my daughter started her own business and she is now charging more than I charge. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She is fearless about raising her prices. Yeah. (laughs) So that's another thing. You know, I would say because my content was in parenting, when I was writing my first book, I remember I had a pile of books that were, it was probably three feet tall of all the different parenting books. And So I think maybe she was 15 at the time. And she said, oh my gosh, mom, am I that hard to parent? (laughs) So (laughs) it's maybe not that cool that your mom is writing books about parenting, you know, if you are the daughter, but I can see how she's proud of me. And I think that she saw me go to Asheville four times a year. My daughter is now in love with Asheville. I would definitely say, that it impacted my daughter in a positive way. And we are the models for our daughters. We can feel like if we're dialing up our dream that it's selfish, but we're actually showing them what the ceiling is. Like you could do this. In fact, they want to do more than we're doing is what I've seen. Yeah, I think it's like a gateway, you know, like we've raised maybe the ceiling and then they sort of blow it out of the universe. And then the coolest thing is then just learning from them, you know, and saying like, wow, look at that. And just thinking, 
you know, watching them make their own path with the tools they've gathered, which were just different than the ones we had at the time, you know, when we were their age. So it's just really fun to watch. And even if it's a simple thing, like you get to travel by yourself. I mean, there are a lot of people who won't do that. Just little things or, you know, go in a restaurant if you're by yourself traveling or do this and is like a giant permission slip to go build your own life. Yeah. Yes. So there's kind of this interactive piece of we model something and then our daughters actually model for us. Yes. There's a kind of a back and forthness to it. So moms, it doesn't have to be that you're dialing up a paying job. You could be dialing up a creative project. You could be dialing up a ministry, some mission, some nonprofit, but it has to be something that grabs your attention, that you're curious about and makes you come alive. That just models something wonderful for your daughter, and it's great for your relationship with her. So in my chapter, Dial Up the Dream, I have a section called, If Your Dial Still Feels Stuck. And I talk about some of the reasons that moms feel stuck. And I love what Dr. Daniel Siegel said. In his book, Brainstorm, Dr. Daniel Siegel proposes that we older adults need to reawaken the gift of adolescence to maintain our vitality. As he explains, this is the essence of living well during adolescence and during the adult years. And so this is an acronym here. Emotional spark, social engagement, novelty, creative explorations. Dr. Siegel encourages us to bring that adolescence to our adult essence. Adolescence can remind us of what we have the right to experience in our lives, he writes. So mom, you have the right to have an emotional spark. My favorite example of this is when your teens see a concert, they're like, oh my gosh, and they just go crazy that they saw this concert. As adults, we see a concert and we said, yeah, I went and saw this concert. And we're monotone, but we have the right to have that emotional spark again. So we act like this essence, this emotional spark, social engagement, novelty, creative exploration is something that our teens only have. This is what makes us healthy adults. So I think this is not optional unless you want to be depressed and resentful. <laughs> I love that the novelty and adventure part, because I think that is so true. And, and it just kind of rewires your brain a little bit. We're just in that rut, you know, like everything's the same or it doesn't make anything in your sensory being light up when you just do the same thing over and over. And I think all those new adventures or a little different something, it's just, it's really does wake your brain up. You know, it wakes your whole system up to say, to experience something new. And I think that's a little bit of that, how we were feeling way back. Yeah. Dial up the dream here for you moms can be just doing something novel. It can be as small as going to a grocery store, a different grocery store, and walking a different way through the grocery store. Because we are so creatures of habit that we'll go to the same grocery store and walk the same way through the grocery store, walk through the produce first. We have our ways. But novelty, as you know, Sue, is a way that we get dopamine. And dopamine is what gives us a spark. So if our entire life as moms is just one rut after another, we are going to be flatlining. 
So dialing up your dream is really like, okay, how can I change up my life a little bit? And I love the metaphor of a dial because it's a click, one click, another click, another click. You don't have to jump from one little thing to Z, A to Z. No, it's just one tiny click that I think a lot of moms can be stuck in kind of a lost hope and some fear. So I'm going to read a couple and then Sue, if you want to add a few, you can. Okay. Some of this stuff can be even really unconscious and we just think this is how life is and we don't even know we're feeling this way. So lost hope is you got divorced and wanted to marry again. And when it didn't happen, it hurt less not to hope. And then the fear could be when you think about getting married again, fear chimes in. Who'd marry you anyway? If you did marry again, it might be worse than the first time. So a lost hope could be you wanted to write a book, but between work and kids, after a while, it seemed pointless. A fear about writing a book could be as you contemplate finally writing that book, fear tells you, you don't know how to write. No one would buy your book. Who do you think you are? What other lost hopes and fears can you think of? So many. I think sometimes we think like, I thought my life would be look like this by now. Like meaning we'd have a certain amount of money. We'd live in a certain kind of house. We'd be traveling or doing this. Our kids would be doing A, B, and C because sometimes we act like they're an exact reflection of our parenting or our everything, right? Like they're the outcome. Yes. <laughs> As if it's that simple. And I think we can have a lot of like, grief over what we thought was going to happen by this time in life. We almost get paralyzed by thinking, well, it's too late now. It's too late to have the job I wanted. It's too late to have this hobby anymore. It's too late to have the family dynamics we want. I mean, I think we get lost in a lot of that kind of thinking, like too much time has passed. I can't do this anymore. That was, you know, for another time in my life. And that can really hold us back from this period of our lives where you you still have, quote, plenty of runway and you get to go find those novel things and enjoy yourself. But we can stay stuck in a lot of those messages. The ones that you read, they're in your book. And I know there are a lot more than that. And they're all like each one of them made me just sort of go, huh. You know, <laughs> they're really good as far as naming some of the things we're most afraid of. Yeah. Well, it's time to land this plane. (laughs) (laughs) So any last advice that you would have for the moms? Maybe this, that whether your comfort zone is a desired rut or not desired rut, you know, there's just all of our comfort zones have a shelf life and even the best ones do. It's natural and healthy to go outside of that at some point, you know, to give yourself permission that it doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to be the way that we were just talking about, but I love your analogy of the dial, Colleen, because nothing that we did and everything in retrospect looks like we had this all planned out, this whole stuff we're doing and books and things, and we can promise you we didn't. (laughs) And that every single thing we're doing now was by one click, one click, Mm -hmm. one click. And there was no magic other than the clicks and following those little sparks. It can be very small, good steps forward. Yeah. And I like your breadcrumb analogy, because to me, that really is true is, and I kind of think that God helps us sometimes with these little breadcrumbs. And if you pay attention to those breadcrumbs, and if you think, if I take this breadcrumb, it's not selfish. And if you just welcome each breadcrumb, it's going to bring you novelty. And that's going to bring some dopamine. 
I think the thing I want to add is, mom, your vitality, your sense of aliveness, your sense of, I like my, and dial down the drama, I call it, I feel good energy. I love my life. That's important. And I think right now, years after COVID and still kind of being in it, I think a lot of us are emotionally flat. I think a lot of us have no reserves. So doing something that lights you up is so important because then you bring this energy into your home and your energy is contagious one way or another. Your resentment is contagious, but that sense of aliveness is contagious. I want to encourage you no matter what that little dream is, it could be a little dream or a big dream, to just consider how can I make one click towards that dream today? Again, if you start with that question, what do I truly want in my health? How many women I've seen in my, even my private practice, even like yesterday, who have hired a trainer, personal trainer, and like I saw them in tears the week before and they've hired a personal trainer and they're just like, I feel really good this week. Why? It's not the personal trainer. They could have done it on their own. It's a sign that they just did one click. That they're actually committing to themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So at the end of the chapter, I have six steps to turn your dial up and you'll just have to buy that book to figure out what those are. So Sue, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's so much fun. And I always learn, even after reading your book and knowing you, I just always learn something from you. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review this makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's.
And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.